Welcome to another Take Note podcast, episode 57. My name is Chris Harper. You may know that we discuss a theme or topic from the Word of God between songs every weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. live on Take Note, the radio program. That's heard on 88.1 FM on Guam and khmg.org. But we also wanted to provide a way for those that miss a portion of that hour-long program to hear the entire lesson in about 10 minutes, minus the music. That's why we bring you the Take Note podcast twice a week. Today, we want to ask you to take note of Mark 8, 31 to 37. Jesus spoke of his death and resurrection many times in his ministry, and our passage of the day records just one instance of this. His disciples and others listening responded in different ways, but in this case, there was a very specific response from Peter, but it was not the correct response. What Jesus said in his rebuke to Peter is a reminder of his mission, of the fact that he concentrated on the Father's will, while we often concentrate on what we think would be good for us. This interaction is a key feature of the passage, but it's not the only well-known portion of the text. Jesus uses the phrase, whosoever will, twice, and whosoever shall, once, in some really important New Testament thoughts. And so our theme will be, whosoever will, from Mark 8, 31 to 37 today. When we read this text looking back, we understand it. We know that Jesus Christ was falsely accused and crucified. We know how he died for our sins, not his own. And we know that after he died, he was buried and he rose again. Before all this took place, his disciples had a very hard time understanding and accepting these ideas. How was it that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would allow himself to be killed? And how is it that he would allow himself to be mistreated? And why, after all this time of waiting for the Messiah, would Israel lose him so soon? Well, no doubt these questions and others came to the minds of those he told, but they were missing the point. They were not remembering, not comprehending, not accepting the words of the Old Testament in places like Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He would die in our place and for our sins, so that we could be healed. This was his mission, and he explained it. Mark 8.31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Jesus speaks with his disciples here and pretty much lays it all out. He would suffer many things. He would be rejected of the Jewish elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And not only that, he would be killed. Now, the great news is that he would raise from the dead. We know this to be the gospel story. 
the good news that provides salvation for men. But for those who are with him, who don't have the perspective that we have today, this must have been a difficult thing to hear. Mark 8, 32. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Peter took exception to this idea of Jesus' mistreatment, and he began to rebuke the Savior. You can understand him not wanting to see this happen, being against that kind of injustice for his Lord. But Jesus had a mission. He knew what he was saying, and he knew what he was doing. And this outline of future events was God's will. Peter's notions of Christ's mission on earth were faulty. He wasn't seeing the bigger picture. And Jesus makes this clear. Mark 8, 33. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Peter's rebuke was well earned. He was directly opposing God's will. Salvation would come to mankind through Christ's sacrifice. It was this cup that he must drink, not Peter's will, not his own will, but the Father's will. He was behaving, Peter was behaving, in the way that Satan would behave in the same position. He had the mindset of the things of man, concerned about his own discomfort at this thought, fighting against this injustice that he saw. Even if that injustice was the mechanism that God would use to save men. Disciples must not see the world using our own wisdom, because we can get it all wrong. We must look to the wisdom that comes directly from God in Scripture. And this will take denial of self. Mark 8.34 And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Self-denial is a daily reality of Christian discipleship. Followers of Jesus must not be concerned with the things that be of men. We have a different way, the way of the follower, going anywhere that he calls us to go, doing anything that he calls us to do without regard to our own will, our own satisfaction, or our own opinion. And if we choose to come after him, then we choose a narrow road. It's a road that not many walk down, but it's the road that leads to eternal life. And the miles ahead on that road may be difficult. They may require sacrifice, but he will be with us all the way. And so even for those who were with him on that day, seeing only his loss in the future, they would be sent another comforter, one of the very same sort that would take up residence within them and walk with them in his physical absence. And this is the same Holy Ghost that every believer relies upon today. And that is a good thing, because this is what we understand about our lives. Mark eight thirty five. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, 
But whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. So anyone holding on to their life will lose it, because it's not ours to hold. He gave it to us for a purpose, just as he gave his life up to do his Father's will. We must do the same. The Creator is worthy. What he gave to us, we must give up willingly for Christ's sake and for the gospel's sake. And it's only when we give that up that we can have it saved eternally. It's surrender. It's a release that every disciple of Christ must make. If we do not give up our lives, well, here are some key questions. Mark 8, 36 and 37. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Saving our lives means saving it for ourselves, to gain what we want, to live our way, to do our own will. But what is any of this saving worth in the long term, in eternity? Is gaining that which we desire in this life worth losing our souls? And what can we give in exchange for our souls? The soul is the immaterial part of us. It's the part of us that remains when our physical life ends, that which remains when we die, which will spend eternity somewhere. Will we place our faith in Christ, who died in our place, was buried, and rose again just as he said, the perfect sacrifice for our sins? Will we surrender to his will or save our lives for our own purposes? You've been listening to the Take Note Podcast. These few minutes together are brought to you by Harvest Ministries and KHMG on Guam. Our website is khmg.org, khmg.org. In every episode, we ask you to take note of a theme or topic from the Word of God. My name is Chris Harper. Thanks for listening.